Amen. Thank you for that wonderful singing this morning. And if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to the book of James. We've been studying this book the last few weeks, uh, studying about what it means to have real faith, a genuine Christianity, because if there's anything that we want in life, it's things that are genuine, right? We want to make sure that our paycheck is going to cash out at the bank. We, we want a real one, not a fake one. We want to make sure our cash isn't monopoly money. We want to make sure it has George Washington's face or Lincoln's or Benjamin's really is more, is more than one we really want, right? But we want something genuine. And when it comes to faith, living out of faith in Jesus Christ, you want to make sure and I want to make sure that we're living a faith that is genuine, something that is real. Uh, And the fact of the matter is, just like there is fake money, just like there's monopoly money, and just like there is a fake gold, there's also uh, a fake Christian life. There's also the monopoly faith kind of life. And what we want to avoid is living that kind of life. And in fact, James is writing to a people that uh, were scattered. Uh, They were taken out of their city, taken out of their church. And he's trying to just uh, challenge them that where they're at, whatever city they find themselves in, that they live a real faith. And so this morning, that's what we want as well. God wants us to live a real, genuine faith faith. And that's what we've been learning about throughout these last few weeks. And so now we're down to verse number 19. We've been going verse by verse. We're going to go through uh, verse 19, the verse 21 this morning. But before we read the passage, I want to start with this statement, because I think it's a very important statement. And that is real faith listens when God speaks. Now, did you hear that? Let me say it one more time. Real faith listens when God speaks. When I was studying this passage this week, it made me think about a story of a husband that I heard about and wife that uh, the husband was getting real concerned about his wife's hearing. And uh, he was so concerned that he said, you know what, we need to go to the doctor. I need to ask the doctor what's going on. And so takes her to the doctor, and uh, he's there talking with the doctor, trying to explain what his, what his fear is and what he thinks is going on. And he says, doctor, I, I got to tell you, I really think that my wife is going deaf. And I'm a little bit concerned. Uh, you know, obviously, so many things can happen when you can't hear the sounds around you, and I, I don't know what to do. Is there something that you can help me with? Well, the doctor was kind of familiar of this happening. Obviously, as we get older, things happen. We change and uh, our hearing isn't always as good as it used to be. And so the doctor said, here's what you do. He said, when you get home, you need to say something to your wife. Just ask her a question. Now, if she doesn't answer, just get a little bit closer. Take maybe one step and then say it again. If she doesn't answer, then take another step closer and ask her again. And just continue doing that so you can figure out just how, how bad her hearing might be. So uh, they leave the doctor's office. They get back home, and uh, he, he does exactly what the doctor prescribed him to do. He, he gets, walks to the other side of the room, and he says, uh, Sweetie, uh, what are we going to have for dinner tonight? Nothing. So he gets a little bit closer. He says, Sweetie, what are we going to have for dinner tonight? Nothing. So he gets a little bit closer. Sweetie? What are we going to have for dinner tonight? Now, he keeps getting closer until finally he's right behind her. 
And he says, sweetie, what are we going to have for dinner tonight? And she turned around. She says, for the 20th time, we're having chicken tonight. (laughs) You know, thinking about that story, it, it makes me think about this passage because we say, man, real faith listens when God speaks. But usually what we're thinking when we say that statement or when we hear that statement, we say, yeah, that's what that person needs to know, right? I wish they were here in this service because you know what? That message is exactly for them. They really need to hear that. But you know what? James is challenging us. It's not their hearing that's going out. It's ours. We need to realize that when God speaks, it's us that needs to listen. Like, like that song that we used to sing uh, when I was a, a kid and, and, and growing up in the Sunday school, it's me, it's me, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Uh, sometimes we want to sing that saying, it's them, it's them, it's them, but, but really it's, it's me. And so James is here and he's, he's already explained to us, listen, real faith, um, real faith deals with trials in life. Real faith sees the temporary of this life and, and, and understands this is the perspective that you should have. Real faith understands that you have temptations and that those temptations really start in us. And so real faith overcomes those temptations. And the way we overcome them is by the goodness of God and by the grace of God. And he said in verse 18, by the word of God. In fact, by the word of God, we became the first fruits. In other words, we, we hear about salvation. We, we accept the Lord Jesus Christ by what the word of God teaches us. This is, this is God speaking to us. And so by the word of God, by the grace of God, by the goodness of God, we, we've been able to face trials and overcome temptations and, and look at the temporary uh, time that we have on this, on this planet. And, and we start thinking, what, what, what does God want me to do? How does God want me to live? How does my faith uh, connect with this life every day? So James has explained that so far. But when you get to verse 19, he shifts from the attitude and perspective that we're supposed to have in our, in our faith to now the actions of our faith. First, he's saying, here's how you look at uh, the trials. Here's how you look at the temporary of life. Here's how you look at the temptations you face in life. But now what do you do about them? What are the actions that you and I are to take in our faith? Because faith ought to produce some sort of action. Faith isn't real faith when it's just theory. It has to be real faith when it's lived out. That's how you know when someone has real faith. That's when you know that their Christianity is something genuine. It's when it moves from an attitude to an action. So this morning, we're going to look at two actions that happen when real faith begins to manifest itself in your life. When you have the right perspective, then then that attitude translates into action. And I want you to notice how James says that. Look at verse number 19. This is what James is. You can see the shift. He uses the word there, wherefore. He says, now, wherefore, because of this, because of our perspective, because of our attitude, wherefore now, he said, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, again, he says, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness 
the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. James is saying, let's move now from the attitude of real faith to the action of real faith. And action starts by what we do with God's word. It starts with what we do with God's word. Before we jump into those two truths, let's go ahead and pray and ask God to be with us as we study his word this morning. Father, thank you so much for bringing us here. Thank you for your truth and thank you for the book of James that not only challenges us on our faith, but also instructs us in what to do with our faith, how it connects to our real life and our everyday life. And so this morning, as we, as we study the two actions that come as a result of, of having the right attitude, of having real faith in our life, I pray that first of all, we'd be challenged, but also that, Father, we would, that we would apply it into our lives. And that this morning, as we study your word, that it wouldn't just be some theories that we know about what your word teaches. Oh, but Father, that it would be our desire to experience it. Because that's what we want this morning. Father, we're here because we love you. We're here because you've been so good to us. And each and every one of us has chosen to be here this morning. And so, Father, I pray that you would speak to us now. I pray that you would fill me with your spirit and that I might be able to communicate the truths that you have laid out for us in your word. And I pray and ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Two actions that our faith leads us to do. Number one is our actions towards hearing God's word. Do you know that God is always wanting to speak to us? He always wants to speak to us. Now, can I say, God loves to listen He'll listen to our prayers. He asks us, hey, the, the word prayer literally means asking. So he's saying, I, I want to hear what, you, what you're asking for. I, I love when you talk to me. But just as much as he loves hearing from us, God loves speaking to us. God wants to teach us the truths of his word. God wants to lead us in our life. He wants to share with us what his heart is, what his will for us is. Is. And so how we do that, well, it begins with, and how does God do that? It begins with hearing his words, the action of hearing God's word. That's why uh, James starts with, listen, take note of this. Wherefore, he says, my beloved brethren, he said, let every man be swift to hear. How do we hear God's word? First, we must listen closely. That's what that little phrase there, swift to hear, means. It means to listen closely. Be quick to listen to what God is saying. We need to listen first before we can act upon what God says. Someone has made the observation we have two ears and one mouth so we can listen twice as much and talk half the time. But sometimes that's easier said than done, is it not? I mean, listen, anyone that, that has worked with children, we know, right? You ever taught a, a Sunday school class, you know. Uh, kids are more apt to speak before they listen. They're more apt to give you their opinion before hearing what your instruction is. And so many times as Christians, uh, we live out our faith that way. So many times we, we want to tell God all of what's going on and, and let him know. And sometimes God said, yeah, uh, listen, but but I can help you with that. But first, you got to listen. 
I can solve this for you, but first you got to listen. You see, listening requires understanding. That, that means uh, when I'm listening, because this is what happens a lot. If, 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 if you've got friends in your life, close friends, you, you, you know that your closest friends are the ones that listen best, are they not? They're the ones that have understanding. They're the ones that are not formulating their response while you're talking, right? Um, because that's just natural. Um, that, that's how we are. We're, we're talking with someone, and as they're telling us what's going on in their life, what they're battling with, we're already you know, putting out our solution. We're like, okay, I got to tell them to do this, do this, do this. Um, in a marriage relationship, we, I, I've been doing marriage counseling now for, for the last maybe five years or so, and um, it, it's, it's interesting that in a marriage relationship, this happens a lot you actually have to work on listening. Um, as, as men, our, um, our instinct, right, we're, 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 we, is to be problem solvers. I remember just, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I was, I was talking with, uh, with Rochelle, and, and uh, she started telling me something that was, was going on. And, and uh, my first instinct, right, was, well, well, let me tell you, this is what you need to do. You know what? You need to tell them this and this and this. And about halfway through my little spiel of, you know, responding to and solving her problem, she said, can you just shut up and listen for a little bit? (laughs) How many wives can identify with that, right? Um, The problem is I wasn't listening. I wasn't hearing. I wasn't trying to understand. I was just trying to formulate a response. And you know what? So many times in our Christian life, our faith, when, the way we live it in our life daily is that way. We're trying to tell God and God's saying, wait, 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 you're not understanding. Listen. And we're not. We're, we're jumping ahead of him. We're, we're trying to say something. We're, we're not really pausing to listen. We're not really pausing to let him speak to us. And I know a couple of weeks ago, the, the context of Psalm 46 verse 10 was given to us, but the reality and the truth of that verse remains. And that is, there's a time when you need to stop and listen. The, the context of that verse, if you remember, that was for uh, the, the king of Syria who was running away from God and God said, stop and listen. Stop and listen. I'm going to be exalted. I'm going to move forward with my kingdom. You, king, you need to stop and listen. And sometimes, if we're not careful, we can get ahead of God because we're not stop, stopping to listen. James says, you know, the action that our faith needs to lead us to is to hear the word of God. Well, how do I hear the word of God? Well, it starts with first listening closely. Can I ask you something? When you're coming to church, are you coming to listen closely to what God's word says? Or are we here just to kind of formulate a response like, well, God, I was here today. And God, hey, put a check mark next to me. I was here. Is it, is it a, an attitude of coming and saying, well, I don't know that I agree with that. I don't know if I want to hear that. I don't know. You know, he's, he's been talking. I don't know. Pastor's been going off on these tangents, and I don't know. Is it, well, let me just hear this guy's opinion, or is it, let me just hear, God, what is it that you want me to listen to? What is it that you want me to know from what you're saying to me? I, I love what the celebrated psychologist uh, Paul Turnier said. He said, 
listen to the conversations of our world between nations as well as between couples. They are, for the most part, dialogues of the deaf. Isn't it that way? It's like, man, we, we, we never get anywhere. Sometimes people are, well, how are we going to get world peace? Well, if we could just listen to one another, but we can't even do that. Half the time, what we want to do is tell one another what to do. But that's not listening. Sometimes we want our marriage to get stronger, but we don't want to listen to one another. The husband doesn't want to listen to the wife's perspective. The wife doesn't want to hear the husband's perspective. There's no listening, so there's no communication. And suddenly we're saying, no, 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 I listen to my wife. She says this and this and this and this and this. But hearing sound isn't the same as listening. We're so used to in our culture, right? We can can go to work, we turn the radio on, and it's just a background noise. If we're not careful, that's, that's what listening becomes to us. Just a background noise. That's, James says, that's not listening. Understanding is listening. That's why he says, when you come, and by the way, the context of this, when he's saying, uh, be swift to hear, I know growing up, we, we, we'd always apply this verse this way. We'd say, hey, hey, son, now listen to what I'm saying. No, no, the Bible says, right? Be, be swift to hear. But the context isn't be swift to hear what my teacher is saying or my parent is saying. The context here is listen to what God is saying. James has just said, this is what the word of God does. It renews you. It it gives you his grace. It made you part of God's family. Now, because that, wherefore, wherefore, because of that, I want you to listen closely. Listen to God. Just pause and listen to him. Listen to his word. But then I want you to notice, secondly, hearing God's word isn't just listening closely. He said, also be slow to speak. That means we must speak cautiously. That phrase, slow to speak, isn't talking about saying things at half speed. James isn't saying, so So when you're talking, talk real slow. That's not what slow to speak means, okay? That's a wrong interpretation of the phrase. What he's saying is you need to speak cautiously. In other words, think about what you're about to say. Don't just respond to God's word just in anything and with anything, but think carefully think about what uh, has been told to you and how to respond to that we must be sure to understand fully what must be communicated before talking about it understand what did god say in in his word what what is james talking about what is he saying before i can share that with my son before i can share that with my wife i need to understand it for me so he says be slow to speak be slow to speak. You know, in Mark chapter 9, uh, there's a very uh, maybe familiar story that if you grew up in uh, Sunday school, you might be familiar with it. Uh, you remember the, there's a time where uh, Jesus goes up with Peter, James, and John. It's there in Mark chapter 9. I put it in your notes. And he takes G, uh, Peter, James, and John, and he goes up into a mount, and he's transfigured before them. Suddenly, he turns White, his, his clothing is exceeding white, and, and suddenly there appeared with him, it says, Elijah and Moses. And they were talking with Jesus. And then notice what it says there in your notes it says, And Peter answereth and saith to Jesus, 
Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And then notice it says, for he knew, no, he, for he knew not what to answer, for they became sore afraid. Peter was like, what do I do in this moment? Let me just talk. By the way, Peter had formed a, a, a kind of a bad habit doing that. If you read the Gospels, you find that when Jesus said, I got to go to the cross. Oh, no, you're not. When Jesus said, everybody's going to die by me. Oh, no, I'm not. Peter had a, had a tendency of kind of talking before thinking. And, and I don't know if, if James was just kind of thinking about that when he was writing this, but he's saying, listen, speak cautiously. Understand what is being told to you. So many times the disciples didn't understand what Jesus was saying because they weren't listening. They were formulating their response. They were trying to say, well, how am I going to answer that? What am I going to do about that? And Jesus said, just, just stop and listen to what I'm saying. Understand the words here that I'm sharing and communicating with you. You see, we must not take it lightly to share God's word with others. It's a great privilege to share God's word, but it's also a great responsibility. That's why it's so important for us, before we start sharing what God is doing in our life, be, be sure we understand this is what God says. <laughs> so many times, if, if you're not careful, you can start sharing things that just aren't so. Things that God really never said were true. But we heard someone say, that, oh, that God's what God said, and so then we just start saying it. And we start repeating things that the Bible never said were true. That's why you ought to be slow to speak. Will Durant, there in your notes, he said it this way. He said, talk is cheap because the supply always exceeds the demand. One of the lessons of history is that nothing is often a good thing to do and always a clever thing to say. <laughs> Sometimes nothing, doing nothing is probably better than doing the wrong thing. And saying nothing sometimes is better than saying the wrong thing. It would have been a whole lot better. You know, I just wonder, the, the Gospels, uh, and I think it's in, the, in Luke, when he talks about the same story of, of Peter, of Elijah, and Moses, it says that they were talking about Jesus, about Calvary. They're talking with Jesus about Calvary, Moses and Elijah. I wonder if Peter would have just stayed quiet and listened in on the conversation. I wonder what he would have heard. I wonder if it would have stopped him from saying, oh, no one's going to, I'm not going to deny you. If he would have just stopped and listened. I wonder if he, if he would have if just stopped and listened, if he would never have said, no, 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 Jesus, you're not going to Calvary. No way. No, listen, you're not dying. No, no, not for me. If he would have just stopped and listened. I wonder if he would have heard Jesus talking with Moses and Elijah as they talked about what Jesus was going to do. But he missed out on that. Why? Because instead of being slow to speak, he thought, let me just say something. James says, listen, when it comes to hearing what God has to say in his... Last year by, by uh, Pastor Olet, if you were here that Sunday, and he, he talked about in Daniel chapter 3, you remember King Nebuchadnezzar? And he told uh, the three uh, men, the, the friends of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he said, who is that God that can save you from my hand? They said, we're not bowing down to your statue. We're not doing that. And he said, well, who's that God that can save you from me? In other words, he was responding with pride. 
And James says, listen, that's the wrong response. He says, be slow in that response. Be slow to wrath. And then he says, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. The wrath of man, in other words, the wrong response doesn't bring God's blessing in your life. It doesn't lead you to fulfill God's desire for your life. The wrong response. Well, I just don't like that the preacher said that. I just don't like, I don't agree with the Bible there. That's a wrong response. That's a response of wrath, a response that is going against what God has said. I love what Isaiah did. When the word of God came to him, he said, and I heard a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. That's the right response. God said, who's going to go do this? I will. Responding and acting carefully. Listen, hearing God's word is going to move you to a response, to action. But what, what is the action? What is this of hearing God's word? It's listening closely. It's speaking cautiously. Okay? Being, being careful, slow to speak and acting carefully. That's how you know, hey, am I listening to God's word? Am I really listening? Am I really listening? But then there's another action that James talks about. He says there's the action of hearing God's word and then there's the action toward receiving God's word. See, we're not only just to hear what God's word has to say, but we are to receive it as well. Now, this is the inward response of the outward call. Right? The inward response. Receiving. The outward is what's coming into my ears, right? The reception is how I react to that. So he says, Re, uh, he says, how do you do this? First of all, he says in verse number 20, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. I know those are some big words that no one really uses in our vocabulary anymore. So let me kind of break that down for you. All he's saying is remove sinful barriers in your life. Uh, that word filthiness is moral uh, sin. Any kind of moral sin that you, that you are holding on to lying to someone else or practicing fornication or adultery or, or any kind of uh, thievery and, and that's moral sin. He says, take that moral sin out of your life. And then superfluity of naughtiness is the excess of wickedness. And there are certain things that may not be morally wrong that are still wrong, like a bad attitude, like gossiping about others. He said, that needs to be taken out if you're going to receive the word of God. If you're going to receive what God has to say to you, listen, nothing gets in the way of receiving God's word like sin in our lives. Nothing. Whenever you're living wrong, I, I guarantee you, you come to church and you feel guilty. Whenever we're living wrong, our marriage isn't the same. The job isn't the same. Our friendships aren't the same. Whenever we're living with sin in our life, it's really hard to receive what God has to say to us. In fact, we don't like it. So James says, 
If you're going to receive God's words, it starts with removing the sinful barriers in your life. Hebrews chapter 12. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, he says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. In his book, Homemade, Robert Aaron said this. He said, good listening is like tuning in a radio station. For good results, you can listen to only one station at a time. Trying to listen to my wife while looking over an office report is like trying to receive two radio stations at the same time. I end up with distortion and frustration. Listening requires a choice of where I place my attention. To tune into my partner, I must first choose to put away all that will divide my attention. That might mean laying down the newspaper, moving away from the dishes in the sink, putting down the book I'm reading, setting aside my projects, and just choosing to listen. You're removing any barrier that would stop you from listening. That's what we need to do when it comes to God's word. Remove the barriers in your life. You say, but... We're in a quiet auditorium. What are you talking about? I'm not talking about the, the outward here distortions or the outward uh, distractions that you might have in a church building. I'm talking about sin in your life. That's what God's talking about here. Nothing will clog up your ears like sin. So James says, if you're going to receive God's word, first of all, you've got to remove those barriers. And secondly, you need to accept it with gentleness of spirit. The reception of God's word requires us to accept it with meekness. There he says in verse number 21, receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. That, that word engrafted means the implanted word. In other words, it's something that has been given to you. When, when we receive the word in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, when we accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, He implanted in us Himself. The truth of His word, it's implanted in us. And now it's to flourish. It's, it's supposed to, to grow. Our faith is supposed to grow that. The implanted word of God. And so to grow that, we have to accept God's word with gentleness of spirit. Uh, many times in scripture, you'll find that the, the word of God is pictured as food. Uh, the psalmist, um, he said, man, how, how sweet is the Lord come taste and see. Uh, Jeremiah talked about uh, in, in, in at one point where where God told him, I want you to eat the scroll. He said, it's going to be like honey to your mouth, and then it's going to, it's going to hurt afterwards. It's going to be bitter with a bitter aftertaste. And so many times, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He uses the analogy of the word of God being food for our souls. Uh, he says in 2 Peter uh, chapter, I think it's 3 and verse 1, where we ought to desire the sincere, sincere milk of the word. Now, when you're talking about food... Anyone that knows about cooking knows that there's some things that you have to do, especially if you're going to cook something different, right? Like, like you don't make pancakes the same way as cooking a steak. The heat is different and uh, the seasoning is different and the ingredients are different, right? Now, I want you to catch this because this is what, this is what James is trying to, to, to teach us, to, to tell us, all right? When it comes to receiving the word of God, understand that what God is telling you is something he prepared just for you. 
Just like when you go to a restaurant and you look over the menu and say, I, I want this, and they take it back to the cook and they say, hey, you need to cook this. The cook begins to make specially that plate for you. And then when it gets there to your table and, and you start eating and you enjoy it and you say, man, that's the greatest meal ever. If the cook did a really good job, that's, that's what we say. Listen, God only gives good meals. And he's cooking them especially for you. And so James is saying, understand, with meekness, this is how you're going to receive it. That meal that God prepared just for you. Just for you. Accept it with gentleness of spirit. Uh, when you look in Acts chapter 10 and verse 33, I love this story. It's when Peter uh, went to the house of Cornelius, a Gentile's house, and that was not done at that time. God was teaching Peter that the gospel wasn't just for the Jewish people. It was for everybody. It was for the whole world. Jesus didn't just die for Jews. He died for the sins of the world is what the apostle uh, John said. And so uh, God leads Peter to Cornelius's house. And I love what Cornelius is, uh, Cornelius tells Peter. He says, immediately, therefore, I sent to thee. This is Cornelius talking to Peter. And he says, and thou hast well done that thou art come. I'm glad that you come. Now, therefore, are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. Cornelius said, hey, God sent you with some food. We're hungry. We're ready to hear. We're ready to receive it. So we've been waiting for you. Peter, I'm glad you got that vision from God because, listen, we've been here wanting more, some, some food. And Peter, you've brought that. Can I say, when we come to church and we're hearing God's word and we're receiving God's word, man, you taste the meals that God has and you go, wow, that was delicious. You leave church and you go, man, I'm so glad I was here. Can you imagine if I would have missed it? I'd have missed the best steak of my life. I would have missed the best pancakes I've ever tasted. I would have missed what God wanted me to hear. James says, listen, your perspective, your attitude always leads you to action. The actions that we're going to live out in our faith start with hearing God's word and receiving God's word. So this morning, it's real simple. The message is real simple. The, 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 the challenge is very simple. Be one who hears God's word. Just be a person that says, I want to be and have a faith that hears when God's word is spoken. I, I want to be one that listens intently. I want to be one that responds to God's word lovingly. I don't want to fight against it. I don't want to be rejecting it. I want to be someone that in my life, my faith leads me to hear what God has to say. And James says, man, if you can do that, if you can do that, I'm telling you, it'll be life-changing. Once you see the perspective of what God has done, how he's used the trials in your life to form you, as he's allowed temptation to come and you've been, by the grace of God, been able to overcome that temptation, now you're able to listen to what God has for you to receive his word in your life. Man, that's life-changing. And real faith will listen 
when God speaks. I don't know about you this morning, but I definitely want to make a decision to say, God, anytime you're speaking, I want to be listening. I don't want it just to be background noise. No, no, no. I mean, I want it to be something that I receive. Not with the wrong attitude. Not so I can counteract that argument so I can say why God is wrong on this and how come I saw this in another person's life. No, no, no. That's not why I want to hear it. I just want to receive what God has for me. And this morning, that's what real faith leads you to do. Leads you to hear God's word and to receive it. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you so much for your word because what James has to say here, Father, is so applicable to us today. So many times, Father, we can realize and understand that if we're honest with ourselves, we can come to your house, not just one Sunday, but sometimes Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and never really hear you speak. Oh, we can hear the songs of praise. We can hear when the pastor speaks, but we don't hear your voice. Because we're not truly listening closely. We're, we're not really swift to hear and slow to speak. We're not slow to wrath. And because of that, your will never really gets done in our life. Father, I, I pray and ask that you forgive us for that kind of response and that kind of attitude. Father, forgive us that we've been so many times so selfish and focused on us that we can't just pause and, and realize that what we need is to hear from you. So Father, I pray that this morning, as we think about what we've been challenged by, I pray that the decision this morning would be, Lord, help me. Help my faith to be one that listens when you speak to truly understand, to truly accept what your word teaches. Help me to have the right kind of response. And Father, that's our decision. That's our desire this morning. Help us. Help us this week to take time to listen to you. Help us to be transformed by your word, by your word working in our lives to change us. I ask all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Good John. Amen. If you would stand to your feet here this morning, what a great uh, service, what a great challenge this morning. And I trust that we'll take that with us this week and apply it to our lives, apply it to our hearts uh, to be able to live that out. I want to just give a few announcements as we're heading out. I want to remind all, all of you uh, that uh, this evening we do have IBB Next. We do have the uh, high school, our high school, our, our, our youth program, um, 90 Degrees, uh, taking place at 6 o'clock. So we want to invite all of you to come back and be a part of that, as I know that those are great um, opportunities for us to take advantage of. And then I do know the classes are back in session. I think the kids' uh, program is still back in session on Sunday nights. And so just want to invite all of you to be a part of that. I know that those um, are things that 
help us to grow, especially at each stage of life. And so I want to encourage you to be a part of that. And then uh, there in the lobby, we do have the sign-ups for our uh, summer camp. This uh, summer, we will be attending camp. And I don't know, if, uh, Pastor Jeremy, have we designated what week we're going? Is it any open to any week? That Okay, so there's two kids' camps that you can choose from. There's two teen camps that you can choose from there, June 28th, July 5th, or the Mondays of those weeks. And then there's also a day camp, and the day camp is a situation where you can go drop off your child um, basically from 7 o'clock on in the morning and then pick them up or, uh, anytime uh, after 5 or something like that, um, or even a partial part of the day. Um, but those are different opportunities that you have for camp this summer. And uh, we ask that if you are looking and, and thinking about attending this summer, in the lobby there is uh, some sign-up sheets for you to be able to fill out and sign up your child. If you want to do it that way, you can also go to the website as we have on other summers and you can sign up. I know the church is doing a fundraiser, Pastor Jeremy. Do you know what the details are on that? On that? Uh, in June, right? But as far as the parents, they're not paying right now then. The church is going to be doing the fundraiser. So, so if you want your child to go, go ahead and sign them up. And then as a result of the fundraiser, the plate sale that we'll be doing, we should be able to cover every camper to be able to go to camp from our church. And so I want to encourage you uh, to make sure that don't let money be an, uh, an obstacle. Sign them up. This is for 7-year-olds all the way to 12 on the kids' camp and then 13 to 18-year-olds on the teen camp. Uh, we would love to have them there. And I know this is the first time in two years that we will be able to have camp. And so we're looking forward and preparing for an exciting summer. It'll be a safe uh, summer, but I'm looking forward to being able to see so many uh, um, uh, be there. Uh, we already have, I think, close to 125, 130 pre-registered for summer. And so, and that's without anybody from our church signing up yet. So I know we'll be over 200 already pre-registered for summer. So I'm excited about what God is doing. If you're looking and thinking about volunteering or helping at, at camp, let me or Mr. Jason know, and uh, Brother Jason and myself, and we'd love to see some of you jump in there and help us out in different ways. Uh, we would appreciate that. Thank you so much for having been at church this morning. You are dismissed. Thank you for having been here, and uh, we'll let the uh, piano play.